Hi, everyone. Welcome to another fabulous edition of the Friendly Confines alongside Chad Gordon. I am Ryan Lieber. Chad, how are we doing, buddy? What a week it was for the Cubbies. What a great week. And, and you and I both got to see some games in person. Uh, uh, I, I don't know if you or me, but one of us had to be the good luck charm because it was quite a week for the Cubs. I'm going to go with you because I split in Detroit. I was up in Detroit and saw them lose the first game, win the second game. You... You got to see a sweep. You were there for three of the four games, and you got to see some offense that we have yeah. not seen in quite some time. It started in the second game of the Detroit series, where yeah. the Cubs scored eight runs and just continued against Cincinnati. And boy, did the Cubs need that series against the Reds, because they had struggled against Cincinnati, and it was yeah. great to see them sweep them this past weekend. Yeah, and, and you know, I, I've got to tell you, in, in terms of back-to-back regular season games, that Thursday night, Cole Hamill's complete game followed by the Bodie walk-off home run on Friday afternoon. That's about as good of a 18, 19 hours at Wrigley field. I, I can imagine that was as exciting as it gets. So we're going to talk about that and a lot of other topics, but yeah, what a week. And, and it's exactly what the doctor ordered. Well, certainly, as you mentioned, we have a lot of topics to cover, including our special seventh inning guest conductor, this week, it is none other than David Kap- Kaplan from ESPN 1000. Cap, yeah. Big Cap, and uh, you can follow him on Twitter at the Capman. Uh, obviously, we're very excited to be able to talk to him about a litany of things. But let's start in the first inning, Chad, of course. We just kind of talked about it at the top of the show. The offense has returned. The Cubs scored 29 runs in their four-game series against the Reds, a little over seven runs a game they average. And boy, was it pretty to see. You were at three of the four games, so you can break this down much better than I can um, to see the offense just come to life with the amount of home runs they hit back and forth. It, it must have been tremendous to just watching that and have a yeah. smile on your face, seeing this team come back to life they ha- uh, as they did against Cincinnati. Well, I mean, and it started on it started on Wednesday. So really, you, you go back and you look at the five game win streak, 37 runs i mean that that's the 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 cubs offense that we've been expecting that's the cub offense that we've seen um uh, little peaks of throughout the year but absolutely just to see um the confidence and the swagger back up at the plate um anthony rizzo national league player of the week last week i mean he is so dialed in that he just has that that uh uh, that look up at the plate now that, that we haven't really seen much of this year. I think that's such a key. If he is going to be dialed in like that, they're going to start pitching around him again, like we saw a little bit uh, over the weekend. Um, he really was such an incredible force. And I can't say enough about David Bodie. What an exciting player. Madden is going to have so many tough decisions to make when everyone gets healthy, when Addison gets back, when Bryant gets back from his, his stint. Bodie just comes through. It turns out he's just a big-time player. And the player I want to mention that, that I'm really impressed by, he also had a really big Sunday, was Jason Hayward. I mean, you talk about a guy that is – what I've always said about Jay Hay is if he can be slightly above average with his – defense being exceptional in gold glove caliber it's all of a sudden like we have a brand new offseason acquisition and he has been just an incredible sight to see yeah no i agree i mean went, went four for four uh had a triple in that contest uh drove in a uh, couple of runs uh he you know he, he he's he's like you said i mean if he can hit you know in the 280s which is he's hovering around that right now um and continue to you know excel in the field which he, he has no problem with 
Um, I'm okay with that. You know, I know that that contract is, uh, is large and long, but at the end of the day, when he first came to the Cubs and he was hitting, you know, yeah. in the two thirties, um, I'd gladly take two eighty and, oh my gosh. Uh, you know, raise that average up 50 points. If this is how he's going to be the rest of his contract. So many different highlights from, from the game and so many highlights, but if you just want to talk about offense, um, I was in the bleachers on, on Thursday night for Hamill's incredible uh, complete game. And something I, I, I was sitting there in bleachers and we had to crane, my buddy Edgar and I had to crane our necks up to see the home run, that 490 foot home run that he hit to deep uh, left center field. Talk about a power display. He is showing off at the right time, playing some great defense base running. We could talk about a little bit, but he he's looking so good. There's so many bright spots to talk about on the Cubs offense. Well, one of those bright spots on offense as we move to the second inning is the new acquisition, second baseman, Daniel Murphy. And all this guy has done since he has started wearing a Cubs uniform, Chad is hitting 391, two home runs, five RBIs. Uh, talk about making his presence felt. Uh, it's almost like he just loves hitting in Wrigley or just around the Cubs. Cause he's always, played well against the Cubs and now it's good to see he's playing great for the Cubs. Um, Murphy's been terrific. What a pickup this trade was. We know, you know, you and I spoke about this in our uh, extra innings podcast last week, but uh, you got to see Murphy up close and to see him hit, you know, his, his home run in Wrigley yeah. and, and be able to kind of spark the crowd like that. Um, he, he's just been a revelation right now for this team that, has needed a very uh, big spurt of offense, and, and he's been giving it to them. It, 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 if, if the Cubs go deep this year, if they um, make the splash they're capable of, if they, if they go deep into October, the Murphy pickup is going to show up in some sort of waiver wire Hall of Fame. I still don't understand how another team didn't block this, how another team didn't go for Daniel. I know that there is a small window of where he was actually healthy and was excelling, but this pickup, uh, you, you talked about some of his, his numbers. Uh, but, yeah, you're, you're talking about a, a guy that's, that's, that's hit two, two yeah. home runs um, in, in his first week and, uh, and uh, is just hitting the cover off. But what I like about his 9-for-23 is he's a professional hitter. So when you see him up in the batter's box, he's just one of those guys. He's always been you know, a, a bugaboo for us. But he's just one of those guys that just knows exactly what he's doing up there, um, goes with the pitch, knows what to do with the pitch, knows how to fight off numerous pitches to get the mistake pitch that he's actually looking for. It's incredibly refreshing. And, and again, incredibly uh, just all the kudos in the world to, to the front office for, for picking him up. Um, who knew that he would be such a, a revelation uh, for the team? Um, he, and the fact that, that, that they're, they're really set at leadoff right now um, that, that, that kills two birds with, with, with one stone. All right, let's move on to the third inning. And of course this weekend, uh, was the players weekend. Something major league baseball has done the last couple of years is they have these kind of cool looking jerseys that the players can put their nicknames on the back of the jerseys. Uh, so Chad, I, I guess this is a two part question. First is what did you think of the player weekend jerseys? Are you in favor of them or not? And two, who, in your opinion, uh, from who you were able to see, had the best nickname uh, on their <laughs> jersey. Uh, so I will, I will give it to you, and uh, you can handle that first. Well, I'll lead off and just say that that uh, um, I love the nicknames. I think it's a lot of fun. Um, 
I also love the fact that uh, Tommy Listella has Tommy Listella has Listella on his back because he forgot he missed the deadline. I thought that was kind of funny because I'm a procrastinator. I probably wouldn't get my nickname on. I'd miss the deadline. But uh, no, my favorite one. Um, I, I always call Anthony Tony, so I just like seeing Tony back there. The jersey itself. I don't like the Cubs jersey. I don't like the color scheme. I don't like the the neon ish look. Um, but I do like a lot of them. Like the Reds looked cool and had kind of a classy kind of a little league feel to it. Same thing I saw, I think, the Tampa, uh, Tampa Bay. I, I really liked theirs. I actually thought I was looking at a little league game, then I realized they were all monster human uh, men. Um, but, I, you know, I, I like the concept. I really don't like the Cubs jersey, which I'm glad because it means I'm not going to buy another jersey. I love the nicknames. It's such a, a fun way for the, t- uh, the, the, the sport not to take itself so seriously. What do you think? Um, I am going to disagree with you. I kind of like the jerseys only because they are kind of like shockingly weird looking. I kind of <laughs> dig that color scheme yeah. a little bit. I know it's like very alternative looking and something that you wouldn't wear, obviously, 162 games. But that's what I think is cool about it is it's different. It's, of course, something that MLB can market and, you know, fans will get it. And it's obviously a big seller. Um, so I was in favor of it. Uh, some of the nicknames that I just thought were terrific, I, I think for me, Steve Cishek with the, the nickname Speed Pass. I just thought that was phenomenal. Yeah. Um, he, he talked about how he used to work as a gas station attendant, which used the Speed Pass <laughs> device for a quick payment. So that was where he came up with the nickname. I, I just thought that was terrific that he had that. So um, I, I did like um, the jerseys and or like Carl Edwards Jr., the string bean slinger. Yes, uh, that that was also one of the other ones. Uh, Cole Hamels putting Hollywood on the back of his jersey. Do you know the story? You know the story behind Hollywood because I read about that. Do you know the story? Uh, I'm assuming. Well, I'm I'm reading it here. I see that Jimmy Rollins gave him the nickname. Yeah, he showed up. He showed up in single A ball. So you got to remember. I mean, the Hamels was pretty touted coming out and coming into 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 minor leagues, and he he showed up in in uh, single A ball um, wearing shorts and flip flops. <laughs> and so right, he, so he called him Hollywood. You know, basically, uh, uh, as Hamill said, he's apparently you don't do shorts and flip flops in single A ball. So that's like, great. That's, that's one great. that's stuck. That's great. Yeah, I but but I would say for my money, uh, the Steve Cishek, uh speed pass. Uh, that that's that's a good one. Like, that's original, and it's not even a play on his name. It's just so perfect. I, I yeah. think that's awesome. All well, right, let's... Well, let's move on to the fourth inning. One person who unfortunately did not get to wear his KB jersey, that being Chris Bryant, the 2016 NL MVP, still nursing that shoulder injury, but he is going to be. Uh, playing in Triple A for some rehab assignments, and hopefully this will get him moving in the right direction for him to be able to get back yeah. into the lineup and play again. So, do you obviously look at this move, uh, Chad, as a positive move or something that could potentially uh, continue to be an issue if we see KB uh, possibly not able to continue playing if he uh, has some stiffness in that shoulder once he does play? You know, I, I think we have to find out what we have to find out. We're going to hear more from Kaplan on this. He's going to talk a little bit more in depth about about KB. Um, but what I'll say is I'm 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 very encouraged by this. You know, this was a longer than a 10 day stint. It was as long as he needed to. A shoulder issue is 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 very damaging and debilitating for 
a power hitter. So that's that's problematic. What's interesting, and this is what is a little bit concerning, because if you remember, I'm going to uh, use Jason Hayward as an example. Remember when they tried to retool his swing and it just didn't work out because you don't retool a swing uh, during the season? Well, what the cure is for KB is he's actually retooled his swing. And I love this concept because – um, if you think about KB swing, he always finishes with one hand, right? It, it, that, that long sweeping swing. We see Javi do that sometimes when he hits the catcher. But KB has now been teaching himself to swing and keeping both hands on the bat all the way through the fo- follow through. And what he said is he's actually generating more power. So think about that for a second. Because his finish at the ball, the ball gets into the, the um, into the zone a little bit harder or a little bit further, and he's actually to connect and actually push harder with his swings through. I'm obviously not a, a, a swing analyst, so I may not be doing justice to this, but what he's saying is he's putting more power onto the ball and he's putting much less stress on his shoulder. We're going to see. And we're so close. We, we had predicted, both you and I predicted, that we'd see him once the, the rosters expand in, in, in September. You know, the, the only negative thing I see here is Joe Madden's going to have a lot of people, that he's, which is a great thing. It's just an embarrassment of riches. But Joe Madden's going to have to figure out a way, if, if he comes up and is healthy, how to keep everybody fitted in um, into the lineup and keep everybody uh, um, with the right pacing so that they stay fresh. You know, I know this is not going to be a popular thing to say, but I am still in the camp of maybe the best thing for Chris Bryant this year is not to play. And I really believe I that with the emergence yeah. of Bodie and the Cubs kind of in a groove right now. I mean, you know, listen, they've been without Chris Bryant now for um, o- over two months at this point. And, you know, the team is still pit- playing well. I mean, obviously they went through that little bit of a stretch uh, a couple of weeks ago where they were only scoring one run a game, but they've quickly broken out of that. And, and I really feel like there's something to be said about when you have a lineup and a team that's kind of gelled with the chemistry that they have. I know everyone thinks that putting Chris Bryant in the lineup is just going to make the team better. But I, I, I don't mean to be a pessimist here. But at the same token, you can also look at it and say, well, maybe that's going to shake things out in a different direction where the players are kind of used to it one way. And then you bring Bryant back into the mix and maybe that doesn't make the lineup any better. So. I may be a little bit of a pessimist here when I talk about this, but at the same time, um, I, I tend to think if it ain't broke, don't fix it right now. And maybe Bryant not playing and letting him rest and getting that shoulder healthy for 2019 might be the best option. No, so- I, I appreciate that. I think that that's a really valid point, but I think um, we have to really leave this up to Chris Bryant. If Chris Bryant feels like he can make it a positive impact on this team and not be detrimental, give him a chance. Uh, I don't think we're going to see uh, – the, the power surge that we want to see from him. But if we can get him in the lineup, here's, here's what I was thinking. I went to a lot of games. I actually think, well, how do we get him in the lineup? My prediction is he comes back. Um, he continues to hit for average because that's never been a problem. His power is down just a little bit. But imagine him taking over most of the reps in left field, Bodie at uh, third base and keeping those two in there. And then, and then Bryant comes in at third. And then uh, you get Schwarber an opportunity in left field. So in other words, you have a lot more uh, pieces to juggle. But let's see how he looks in Iowa for a couple games, and let's see if he comes up when the rosters expand. All right, we move on to the fifth inning now. And uh, after the starting rotation at times looked a bit shaky, it seems to be trending up. Uh, We saw the complete game masterpiece that Cole Hamels threw in the first game against the Reds. Uh, John Lester, who pitched very well against the uh, Tigers in the Cubs' win, uh, on Wednesday, last Wednesday night. And then, of course, Kyle Hendricks uh, pitching seven shutout innings against the Reds on Sunday. 
Um, it's it's great to see that uh, Kyle Hendricks, Cole Hamels, uh, John Lester, and the rest of this squad, even Jose Quintana had a nice outing on Saturday, uh, are starting to kind of come together. And this is, of course, the best time for them to do it. So, Chad, uh, in your humble opinion, this pitching rotation, are they trending upward or is there still work to be done? It's, it's incredible. You look at the stats in the last 10 games, the starters have posted a 1.67 ERA. I mean, think about that. They are leading the national league in shutouts. Um, and which is amazing because we don't think about that from the Cubs. This is a team right now whose starting rotation is peaking at the right time. I, I told you my, my crazy conspiracy theory when, you know, on an earlier podcast where I, I strongly believe that Madden tells his pitchers to not put their foot on the gas early and to not over-exhaust themselves and get through at about 80 to 90%. Um, the numbers are actually starting to back that up because they are starting to pick up in such a strong way. Nobody counted on what Cole Hamels has done. But John Lester has, has, has picked up uh, after a little bit of a, a, a falter after the All-Star break. Um, Kyle Hendricks looked masterful. Um, what I will say, and this is, this is something that's absolutely incredible. I want to throw this stat out here um, because we praise Cole so much. In his five starts, his five starts with the Cubs, a 0.79 ERA. That's in 37 innings pitched. He's given up 24 hits against only eight walks, 30 strikeouts, zero home runs so far. I mean, you talk about a guy that is, has been the cornerstone of this lineup, um, just absolutely incredible. And what he did, and a lot of people don't realize this, but what he did Thursday night with the shutout, do you realize that there, prior to that, there had only been um, 10 complete games this year in the National League and only 34 complete games in all of baseball. And so that is a rarity, and he did that, and that's a part of our lineup. I'm excited about his next start, and I'm really um, – it's their trend way up for me. They are, they are looking so strong, and they are absolutely one of the top five, top seven uh, starting rotations in all of baseball, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. Um, and, you know, we kind of get into this with uh, David Taplin in our seventh inning stretch today yeah. where uh, one of the questions I ask him is about better one-two punch uh, of any postseason team right now contending. Uh, between John Lester and Cole Hamels. And while he does name a few pitchers, um, you know, he certainly thinks the Cubs are right there uh, when it comes to having, you know, two of the top pitchers uh, in the postseason to go out and, you know, win you some games. And then you get a guy like Kyle Hendricks, who uh, is certainly capable of throwing a gem when he needs to. And then, you know, you got somebody like when Jose Quintana is your number four guy. Um, I'll take that any day against any team in the postseason and it's nice to see like you said that this team is starting to really throw some good games and uh really start to dominating the hitters in the national league and the american league because uh, boy do they need that if they're going to contend for a world absolutely. series this year absolutely right, absolutely well, speaking of uh, trending upward we'll move to the sixth <laughs> inning and uh alec mills mike montgomery two guys that uh of course have done some really great work at spot starting Alec Mills getting the start on Wednesday in the Cubs 3-2 win in extra innings. And then Mike Montgomery is going to pitch this coming Thursday in a makeup game that they have against the Atlanta Braves. Just a one-game series because the Cubs, as Chad, you have mentioned before, had 20 or have 23 straight games that they're playing. So this is a big stretch here. And Joe trying to save the pitching staff. Um, so it's certainly going to be nice to see somebody like Alec Mills, uh, who you saw get, get to pitch. Yeah. Guy who went out and, and pitched very well for the uh, for the most part 
in the start against Cincinnati. And then you got a guy in Montgomery who uh, was dealing with some shoulder soreness and uh, he's going to be able to get back into the rotation and pitch against Atlanta. What's your takeaway for Mills and what do you expect out of Montgomery uh, this coming week against Atlanta? What I loved about Mills on Friday is he uh, he had a little bit of a falter early on. Uh, you know, he gave up a pair of doubles, um, but that was the only hard contact. I believe he ended with two hits the entire game. He looked like a seasoned veteran on the mound. He was calm. Um, he's one of those pitchers that I, I just love those pitchers. They get the ball back. They're already on the mound. They're ready to rock and fire and bring it right back to the pitcher. So he, he's in control of the game, did not at any moment falter, did not at any moment get wild. Um, he was either getting his pitch or he was just barely missing his pitch. I, I love this idea of a six-man rotation, especially now during this 23-game stretch. And so for Alec Mills, for him to come in, you're, you, we may be looking at a fifth starter if he can continue on. If he has another strong start um, on Wednesday, I'm really excited about seeing what Monty's going to bring to the table on Thursday. As you said, some shoulder inflammation. So he's been away, but he has been a pretty steady Eddie for us, uh, for us uh, during the season for the Cubs. And uh, so it, it'll, it'll be good to see against a really powerful offense. He has pitched well in the past in Atlanta. Um, but this is this is one of those where, you know, this part of the swing where you've got the, the games against the Mets down to um, to face uh, Atlanta and then up to uh, face Philly with with no days off. Um, I love the idea of the six man rotation keeps the, the power guys where they need to be with the, the same amount of rest. I think this is a really um, solid uh, um, decision by Joe to, to, to stretch these guys out versus um, putting another person into play. We've had a lot of people here on the seventh inning stretch as our seventh inning stretch special conductor. But if you know Cubs baseball, you're going to know our next guest. It is a honor and a pleasure to have. Well, let's just go over this guy's credentials first. First, he's he's the host of Chicago Sports Live and NBC Sports Chicago. He's the pregame and postgame host on NBC Sports Chicago for the Chicago Cubs. He's also the host of Tap and Co on ESPN Radio 1000. He also has a book called The Plan that he wrote about the blueprint for the 2016 World Series team, about Theo Epstein, Jed Hoyer, how this Cubs team was put together. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to the Friendly Confines, it's our good friend, David Kaplan. David, thank you and welcome to the Friendly Confines with Chad and Ryan. Hey, what's up? Good to be with you guys. It is uh, good to have you. And side note, I once upon a time interned under Dave. I think I still was one of the worst interns of all time. Well, still, we still speak of you with reverence because... I still remember the day Mark Silverman from Waddle and Sylvie was our producer at the time, and he was struggling to feed in a rap on the Bears. And you said, why don't you just send the tape? I'll take care of it for you. And he was not happy with you. Nope. To this day, Mark is still uh, seething with anger towards me. Uh, But uh, I do remember that day clearly. Probably wasn't the smartest thing of a 22-year-old to say at the time, but – Still a memorable moment and something that I'm glad we could all uh, yeah, still, we still laugh about it. That's right. 20 years later. So uh, I appreciate it. Well, Cap, uh, let's get into this. Um, first, let's talk about you. You recently tweeted about Hugh Darvish. Hugh Darvish out for the rest of the year with arm uh, pain. And obviously he's been shut down. You tweeted recently that you think it would not shock you if Darvish never pitched again. Why? Why do you think that? Well, let's look at the facts. The facts are that he's going to be 30. He just turned 32, I believe. Next year, 
He'll be 33. He's made a ton of money. He's dealing with a fairly significant arm injury, which means he goes into this offseason unable to refine his craft. Rather, it's a rehab winter. So who knows what he'll be like next season. And he openly talked about walking away and retiring last winter when he said, you know, I wasn't sure if I was going to play. I thought about retiring and I decided to come back and pitch. Well, yeah, and he got a $126 million contract. So it would not shock me whatsoever. Uh, he says he's going to pitch. I'll take him at his word. But if he said in January, yeah, you know what? It's just not feeling great. So I'm done. I'd be the first one to say, I told you I wasn't surprised. I mean, is this going to go down as possibly the worst contract that Theo and Jed have signed a free agent to at this point? Does it, does it make people look back and wish that Arietta was the guy they ended up with? Is it, I mean, I guess suppose hindsight's twenty twenty at this point. Well, it's a two-part thing. One, Jake Arietta was never re-signing with the Cubs. It was never going to happen. Uh, they made it clear to Theo and Jed that if he got one penny less than John Lester, he was not staying here. And the Cubs were never going to give anybody $155 million. So uh, Jake was leaving for whatever reason because the Cubs offered him the same deal Darvish got, and he took less money to go to Philadelphia, and they built in some option years, and we'll see how that works out. But that's part one. Part two is if you Darvish comes back and pitches really well over the next five years of the deal, well, then maybe this goes down as a good signing. We won't know yet. It hasn't been written. If he walks away – the Cubs have insurance protection on injury. And if he says, I'm hanging it up, so let's settle, well, then maybe it's not as egregious a contract as maybe we think it is today. So there's a number of ways that you can look at this. The script hasn't been fully written yet. All right, we're talking with David Kaplan. Of course, he's the host of Cap & Co. on ESPN 1000 in Chicago. Uh, Post of the Cubs pre and post game on NBC Sports Chicago also has a book that he has written called The Plan. Uh, it's the blueprint of the Chicago Cubs and obviously uh, what they have done to create this championship team over the last several years. Um, David, what's the latest with Chris Bryant right now? Where does he stand as far as coming back? And if he does and when he does come back, how much do you expect from him in the lineup? Uh, I expect him to be a good player. I do not expect the 2016 league MVP because I just don't think he's you know, going to come back at 100%. He has changed his swing. I broke down some tape on my show the other day of what he's doing in batting practice now. He's a guy who is one of those players that removes one hand after he makes contact and follows through with a one-arm swing. Frank Thomas did that. Uh, Walt Riniak and... Charlie Lau, they're proponents of that, the uh, great batting coaches. But that's how Chris did it, and it put a lot of pressure on his shoulder. So he's now keeping both hands on the bat, and he's slowing his swing down after impact. Well, we're asking him to make that change because his shoulder hurts in August when he hasn't played in you know six weeks. So I'm not sure how that's going to end. Does he go back to his regular swing next season? Does he go back to his regular swing in the postseason because he's not getting the results? Only time will tell, but I'm more than a little concerned. Do you think, I mean, Bodie's been playing so tremendous. Now they got Murphy in the lineup. What would be the harm, in your opinion, if they shut him down for the year? Well, you don't, first of all, he doesn't want to be shut down. So that's number one. Number two, 
much as I love David Bodie, and he's been a revelation and he's a great guy, Chris Bryant is a generational talent. And so if you can get Chris Bryant back in the lineup and he's contributing, it's a no-brainer. You, you can't just dismiss somebody with his type of ability. So we'll see where it goes. You know, if Schwarber continues to struggle, he was down to 239 as of, you know, end of the day yesterday. If he continues to struggle, what's to say Chris Bryant isn't playing left field and David Bodie's at third? You never know. That's a great point. Great point. We're talking with David Kaplan, the host of uh, Cap and Co. on ESPN 1000 in Chicago. Uh, taking a few minutes here on the seventh inning stretch on the friendly confines here with Chad and Ryan. Um, Cap, what is the biggest weakness of this team that you see going into September? Not having Brandon Morrow is a major, major problem. Uh, he's an elite closer who throws 99 miles an hour, and he hasn't pitched in several weeks because he's got pain in his bicep. And from what I was told the other day, he still has pain there. It's not as egregious, but he feels like slowly he's trying to come back. Would I be shocked if he couldn't come back? No, I wouldn't be shocked. We're talking about a guy who's had a history of arm injuries. So if that's the case, then you're comfortable closing with Pedro Strope. Uh, I'm not sure I feel the same way as, you know, people who feel that way. Pedro's been great pressed into emergency duty, but you tell me we're playing a pick a team, the Arizona Diamondbacks in game seven of the NLCS, and you're comfortable closing with Pedro Strope? I'm not. So that could be a huge, huge impediment. Does Justin Wilson step up and do the job? I don't know. He's been better this year. He hasn't been unbelievable. There's a big difference closing for the Detroit Tigers when your team is up the track and out of the race versus closing for the Chicago Cubs, who by their own admission in spring training, we're in this for one thing, to win the World Series. Well, you take the mound with that type of expectation as opposed to, well, if I don't get it done here, so what's the big deal? We're 28 games out of first. So that's the difference closing in Detroit closing in Chicago. David Kaplan joining us here on the Friendly Confines. He's our seventh inning stretch conductor this week, and uh, we are so happy to have him. He's taken a few minutes of his time to join us here on the program. All right, Cap, um, Cole Hamels has been a revelation for this team. Uh, I mean, I, I kind of made the point on our last podcast that this reminds me a little bit of when uh, Rick Sutcliffe came over in 84 and just lit up the, you know, the, the batters in the National League on his way to the Cy Young. Um, is there a better one-two punch right now that you're seeing in baseball with Hamels and Lester when you go down the list of playoff teams, in your opinion? Um, well, it depends. I mean, is Boston going to have Chris Sale off the DL, or is Chris Sale still there? Because Chris Sale at the front of any rotation is better than any team that's going to the postseason for me. Um, you know, you look around, Patrick Corbin, Zach Granke with Arizona, very, very good. St. Louis and Milwaukee have okay teams. They're nice teams. They don't have that top-end starting pitching. The Cubs certainly are in that discussion. But if you go over to the American League, and I told you you're going to have Dallas Keuchel and Justin Verlander, wow. If you looked at the Boston Red Sox, as I said, there's another really good team. The Cleveland Indians can run Corey Kluber and Carlos Carrasco at you. Very, very talented. So, There's some real good top-end pitching. 
to, for me, the starting pitching key with the Cubs is if Hamels could continue to be really good, he doesn't have to throw nine inning complete games all the time, then you've got enough quality at the top between Lester, Hamels, and Hendricks, who I think is really trending up. And I advise everybody to watch how this kid's throwing now, and it's only getting better. So if you get those three rolling, and if Katana can just be decent, then they're going to be okay. David Kaplan, host of Cap and Co. on ESPN 1000 in Chicago, and of course the pregame, postgame host on NBC Sports Chicago for the Chicago Cubs, and the author of the plan, the blueprint of the Chicago Cubs championship and how they got there. Thank you for joining us here on the Friendly Confines. It is such a pleasure. I hope you will one day join us again down the line. It's, it's always good to catch up with you, Cap. Ryan, call anytime, man. And you were one of my favorite interns. Anybody yeah. that takes on Sylvie, you're my guy. I appreciate it, buddy. Have a great week, and uh, hopefully we'll talk soon. Take care. You got it. Look forward to it. Time for the eighth inning, but first we want to thank David Kaplan for his Absolutely. time. Absolutely, It was so great to hear from him, and uh, always good to catch up with the Cap Man. And you can uh, obviously follow him on Twitter, at the Cap Man, of course, and uh, you can find his book in uh, bookstores, on Amazon. So it's a good read from what I've been told. I yeah. have not had the pleasure of reading it. But thank you, David, uh, for your time with that. That was uh, great to have some insight on that that we have not had on this program probably before. So that was uh, impressive all right let's uh go to the eighth inning now chad and uh let's talk a little bit about uh the breathing room that the cubs have in the nl central uh entering this week the cubs had a four game lead over st louis uh who has been uh, definitely playing some great baseball of late but uh certainly had their hands full with colorado over the weekend so uh how much does this give the cubs a chance to maybe uh, relax a little bit, or is it a situation in your eyes that say you cannot, no matter what, take your foot off the gas? How do you assess that with uh, the current state of the NL Central? Well, here's the thing. I mean, none of us saw this coming. I mean, some diehard Cardinal fans, obviously, they'll say they saw it coming. But the run that the Cards have made has been um, – I mean, they're playing out of their heads right now, and it's it's incredible. And what I would say is, I, I've said this all along, the Cubs need to play 600 ball down the stretch. They need to play 600 ball on this 23-game stretch. If they do that, they're going to be in really good shape. But if any team, the Cardinals um, or the Brewers, if, if either of those teams, if they decide they're going to continue to win 9 out of 10, you know, 800 ball on the way, on the way through um, at that pace, it's going to be really hard. Uh, but, but a four-game breathing room uh, sort of situation – um, is exactly what you would want coming out of um, the initials because we talked about that. The Tigers and the Reds, not very good teams. You've got to beat the not very good teams. And now you've got the, the Mets in town. We're going to you know talk about the week ahead. Um, but you've got some really key series coming up. So having the four-game league going into this week, so key for me in terms of looking at where the Cubs need to be to be able to fight off another strong push because the Brewers have not gone on a strong push lately. So they could be due. But the, car, the Cubs as well have not torn it up, you know, and not gone on there, you know, uh, they've not gone on a, a big heater as well. So there's opportunities for any of these teams to, to really kick it off and, and uh, put the pressure on some, on some teams. Yeah, and especially since you're talking about the team in, a Brewer, in the Brewers, who the Cubs are going to see uh, plenty of down the stretch here. And then, of course, they end the season uh, at home against the Cardinals. So yeah. 
certainly, you know, they need to make sure that uh, they continue to press hard against these teams. Like you said, you got the Mets this week who uh, are not a good team at all. And then you got, you know, the one game against the Braves who uh, are probably the surprise of the National League this year. And then you like, like you said, you got a strong series against Philly and then right back to Milwaukee. So, uh, yeah, this is, you know, certainly a key stretch. And the Cardinals are uh, offensively right now playing great. I mean, Matt Carpenter, oh, my goodness. Talk yeah. about a guy who has just been resurgent after having such an awful beginning of the year. I mean, this guy is putting himself in the MVP uh, conversation. Absolutely. So, yeah, uh, to your point, Chad, it's it's definitely uh, great to see that they have that breathing room, but uh, they cannot look at this and say, okay, we, we can breathe a little bit, not even close, because uh, these are the games that, you know, coming down the stretch, they're going to face them uh, quite a bit. All right. So, Ryan – Ryan, let's uh, let's let's for the ninth inning. Let's actually let's just look at our the two main things. Let's look at what is your key looking ahead, not only this week, but as the, as we enter this last month of the season. What are you most transfixed on? What has to happen? What are you excited about happening? Looking ahead, what are you focused on? Well, I guess the thing I'm most excited about is to see how Chris Bryant's going to respond in AAA. Yeah. I mean, are we going to see? Um, glimpses of what we have seen the past couple of years from Chris Bryan. Is he going to be able to regain his strength and his bat speed? Or um, is it just going to be a struggle for him and maybe we're going to see him at like 75%? If it's a situation where we're only going to see him at 75%, again, I know that Chris Bryan's coming back to this team regardless. doesn't matter, obviously, what I think. But uh, my personal feeling is if, if you can't get a Chris Bryan who's the Chris Bryant we all know, um, maybe it's best to not have him in the lineup, but uh, I am curious to see how he's going to look, um, you know, in AAA and, and how he's going to respond to the shoulder injury. What about for you? Well, I, I, yeah, I appreciate that. And I don't take it as pessimism. I take it from you as realism. I mean, you really, I mean, it's, it typically it's hard to come back at this stage and come back and, and be on fire. I will point to, however, you know, a player that was injured and wasn't really tearing the ball, uh, cover off the ball and wasn't being very effective in Daniel Murphy and look at him right now. So Chris Bryan is a competitor. Chris Bryan is a winner. Um, I, 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 I'm, I'm hopeful when he comes back that it's just all it's going to do is just create some uh, lineup headaches for Joe. You know, we haven't even talked about Addison, if, if he's going to be a part of this, this lineup. Um, so if I could really focus on, on two key areas, and, and they're, they're, they're not interconnected to any way, shape, or form, but is Addison Russell going to have a role on this team in any way, shape, or form going into the end of the year? I mean, I really applaud him for playing through the injuries and playing through the pain um, before the situation where they got Daniel Murphy. But what I would like to see and the thing that I think is going to be so incredibly important is Wilson Contreras going to find his stroke? Is he going to find his offensive um, uh, power? Because that's a guy that we, we, we've, we've counted on in the past to come through with the big hits. And, and he's chopping a lot of infield singles and, and slapping some balls around. So I'm wondering, you know, where that stroke's gone. But I would like to see Willie uh, come back because he's that guy that if he, if he, gets, on, if he gets on board, um, that could be something really powerful. From the pitching standpoint, um, I have all the faith in the world right now in, in the starting lineup. I like the six-man rotation to get people um, some breathing room. I had said going into this 23-game series, 16 to 17 wins is, is where the Cubs need to be, and they're on pace to exceed that. So it's a very exciting time. Ryan, I'll let you get the, the final word. Yeah, I think uh, those are all valid points and all 
fair and good points that you make about Wilson and Addison and, of course, the rotation. Um, quick correction, I did say that Mills pitched on Wednesday. It was Friday, and uh, that was uh, my mistake. Wednesday was when the Cubs were in Detroit, but uh, just wanted to uh, correct myself on that. All right. Well, I, I appreciate that, and I actually did refer to seeing it on Friday. I just yes. let that go through, but that's okay. I appreciate the, the in-game correction. No fake news. You know, I figure the at the end Confine of the show, podcast. That's right. We can correct what we did wrong <laughs> at the end of the Absolutely. podcast. I have no shame in that. Um, well, Chad, uh, next week we got another great special guest. Um, I, I figure we can start previewing these guys. Um, we have Dave Woloshin, who is uh, the oh, voice wow. of the Memphis Tigers basketball and football teams. He also is uh, the host of uh, uh, Wolo and Peter in the morning on WHBQ in Memphis, Tennessee. And Dave is a longtime Chicago resident growing up in the Chicagoland area. That's great. Obviously, he uh, lives in Memphis now and uh, – he not only is a diehard Cubs fan, which is why we were having him on the program, but he is also a Southern Illinois University graduate. And for those who may not know, I know we always often refer to SIU. For people who may not know, Chad and I are both graduates of Southern Illinois University. So anytime we can get an alum of our college, uh, it's always a bonus. And they're a Cubs I love fan. It. That's always a bonus. So and there's so and what I love about that is there's so many of them that are just tearing it up. And we've had a, a number of them so far as guests, but it's just great to hear from them and see how successful they are across the globe. And and if you are a Cubs fan, you you are probably gonna be a fan uh, in Chicago, if not a, a Cardinal fan, because that's the region over there. Um, one other thing I want to mention, Ryan, is please, as a listener, make sure if you haven't already, um, join the, the Chicago Cubs Friendly Confines Facebook page. Um, it's, it's a great source for daily activity that we also have some writing there as well. Uh, but we want you to join us there because we do the, the listener polls and everything. Uh, let us know who you want to hear from. Let us put, put a guest name out there and let us go get them because that's what we want to do. We want this to be very interactive. And also pose a question. We might take one of your topics or questions um, as one of the inning uh, ideas in an upcoming episode. Awesome. Well, great job as always, Chad. Always good to chat with you. And thank Absolutely. you, everybody, for listening to another episode of The Friendly Confines. For Chad, I'm Ryan. We'll talk to you next time. See you at the ballpark, everybody. Don't let anyone say that it's just a game For I've seen other teams and it's never the same when you're born in Chicago, you're blessed and you're a field. The first time you walk into Wrigley.